We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weekday at this time to share the good news of Jesus and to lift up his name to this city. No matter if you are listening right now from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that today's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to everyone. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message. I want everyone to say Peter. Peter. He was the one that wrote 1 Peter. He also wrote 2 Peter. And Peter is the same Peter that walked on water until he took his eyes off the Lord and he sunk. It's the same guy. It's the same guy that cursed and denied that he even knew the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. It's also the same guy that on the day of Pentecost, after the resurrection, on the first day of the church, it was Peter who stood up and preached the very first gospel message. And some 3,000 people stepped forward and were baptized that day. And we talked about that as Christians, that oftentimes we feel as though we're strangers in this world. And the people that Peter was writing this letter to were people who lived what we know today as modern-day Turkey, who had been scattered and who were being persecuted. And he's writing to these folks who are not welcome anymore in the culture of that day. And so I want you to write this down in your sermon notes as we begin as an introductory thought. We are not citizens on this earth trying to get to heaven that's not what we're doing we if you're saved we are actually citizens of heaven just living on this earth for a little while and while you're here even for a little while you are going to be shunned ridiculed made fun of if you're truly living for jesus christ now charles pope gives us five different levels of forms or steps to being persecuted as believers the first is when the world begins to stereotype us and that's where they use a description for a few and that description get used to describe all people it's called stereotyping like those christians those fanatics the second level is when they begin to vilify This is where they begin to speak words that hurt and cut. Words like, you Christians are closed-minded. You Christians are intolerant. You Christians are homophobic. You Christians are uh, bigoted. You're, You're nothing but haters. They are vilifying us. 
The third level is when they actually go beyond words and now you're actually being marginalized. It's called marginalizing. They are, they literally shove you to the side. Your opinion as a Christian is no longer welcome here in this culture. And Christians, uh, your voice is no longer welcome in the political arena. If you're involved in any kinds of politics and you're a Christian, the world will shout you down and say to you, as a Christian, you have nothing to do with politics in this country. It's called being marginalized. The fourth level is when they criminalize. You see, they start off with just stereotyping, then they vilify, then they marginalize, and then they criminalize. And right now, in the United States of America, they are passing laws in this country against what you and I as Christians believe. And of course, the fifth step is actually being physically hurt, or maybe you lose a job, or you don't get a promotion, and it's this progression. Now, when Peter wrote 1 Peter, he was writing it to, uh, to Christians who were experiencing all five of those things. And what Peter is saying to us is how are we as Christians supposed to respond to a culture that has turned against us? The first half, he told us three things to do, to remember. The second half, he tells us three things not to do. All right, are you with me on this? Number one, write this down. He says, do not give up and conform to this world. Here's what the text says. Look at verse 13. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore. And that's the name of this sermon. Therefore, I want to give you some instructions. Prepare your what? It all starts up here, what you think about. Because what you think, you'll do. Prepare your mind for action. Be self, what? Be self-controlled, which means to be sober. Set. You've got to firmly establish that your hope is fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. What he's saying there is Jesus Christ is coming back again. He's coming back again. Don't ever forget that. Verse 14, as obedient children, you need to be obedient. Here it is. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. I want you to write that down. We're, we're not to conform to this world. We are supposed to be holy. If you're holy, you'll be different than the world that is unholy. And what Peter is saying, because these people are in the midst of the persecution being vilified and marginalized, if you feel like giving up and going and just going with the flow, don't do it. Because you are holy, and the word holy, write this down, it means to be set apart. God has actually called you out of the world. And he has set you apart from the world. You're not supposed to be like the world. 
And the word set apart does not mean that God calls you out of the world and just sets you over in the corner all by yourself and you're over there, you don't know what to do. No, it means that he's called you out and set you apart for God's purposes here in this earth. That's why he says, do not conform. That's what verse 15, look at it again. Just as he who called you is holy, so you need to be holy in all that you do god has a part and you have a part and here's what happens it's easy to understand this we live here in this world and the world just rubs off on us why does the world rub off on us well it's easy it's because we listen to the music of the world and we watch the movies of the world And we're looking at all the social, we follow all the social accounts of people that are in the world. And we hang out with people who've denied the Lord and who've cursed God. The Bible puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good morals. I can be a man with good morals. All i got to do is hang around people that are corrupt and it corrupts me. You have to start making decisions on where you go and what you do. And who you spend your time with. Peter says to people who are in the world and the whole, they feel like they're going against the world. He's saying, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not conform. Do not give in and go with the flow. You be holy. God has called you out amongst the world. And shine like the stars against that universe. Amen. Amen. Second thing he says, write this down, is do not forget what Jesus Christ did for you. Whatever you're going through, no matter how bad you're persecuted, however rough it is, no matter how many people are marginalizing you or stereotyping you, don't you ever forget what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. He says in verse 17, I want to read through this, since you call on a father who judges each man's work, and that's the point, that's why you need to be holy, is one day we will all stand before God. He will judge each man's work impartially. Live your lives as strangers. You feel he calls them a stranger. He tells them here, go ahead and keep living life as a stranger here. Always in fear for God. Verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life that was handed down to you from your forefathers. You were not saved with silver or gold. How are you saved? Don't ever forget how you got saved. Verse 19, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. God sent his son to live on this earth for 33 years, not once. In those 33 years, did he ever sin? He never sinned. So that when he died on that cross, he was a lamb without defect. He was the perfect sacrifice And when Jesus Christ shed his blood, that blood was for the forgiveness of your sins and the forgiveness of my sins. Don't ever forget what Jesus Christ did for you. And then he says, verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world. Before the world was ever created, God knew that he was going to send his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. God knew that. Before the world was ever created. And it was revealed in those last times for your sake. Verse 21. And through him you believe in God. Who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Okay, I got all that. 
Why do I need to remember all that? Well, here's the reason why in verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, your salvation came through Jesus Christ, that you now have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. He's saying as you remember the love that God had for you, you should pass that love on to those around you. Don't ever forget what Jesus Christ did for you. Because when you remember what Jesus Christ did for you, it enables you, write this down, to be more loving, even to those people who are marginalizing you, towards those people who are mistreating you. That's what the Bible's all about, isn't it? Isn't the Bible just about us receiving the love of God and then we look around to people, even people who mistreat us, and love them with the love of Jesus Christ? Isn't that the gospel? I want to read some verses. Just look at the screen. I'm just going to read through them. Bible says in John 13, a new command I give you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Romans 13 verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the entire law of God. 1 Thessalonians 4.9, now about brotherly love. Uh, we do not need to even write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, this is the message that you've heard from the very, very beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 3.18, dear children, let us not love with words or with tongue, but love in action and in truth. 1 John 4.7, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then Jesus said these words in Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. But Jesus says, I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oh, there comes a point when you understand what Jesus Christ did when he died on that cross. He died because he loves sinners. He loved Judas, and Judas betrayed him. He loved Peter. Peter denied him. He loved Saul. Saul persecuted him. And in the same way, he loves you, and he loves me. He loves lost people. And he's calling us, the church, to love others who are denying him. To love others who are betraying him. To love those who are persecuting him. And he's also calling us to love those who persecute us. Because how else are they ever going to be saved? How are they ever going to know about the love of Christ? They're never walking into this church. But they will rub shoulders with you in the workplace and at school and at the mall. And when they see the love of Christ in you, write this down. It's the love that they see in you that points people to the love they see in Christ. Oh, I'm going to tell you. Some people, it's just hard to love. And right now in this country, it's hard to love people who have a different political view than you. 
and I see some people say something politically that is so far out there and I see Christians get online and just bash that person with that different political view you're doing the exact opposite of what God wants you to do God wants to reach the person with a different political view than you God wants to reach the person that has a different skin color than you God wants to reach that person at work or that person at school that's different than you. How in the world is God ever going to reach that person? He's only going to reach that person through you and I who don't let those things bother us and we just see a person for the value of their soul and realize that we've got to find a way to love that person and introduce them to Jesus Christ. Do not conform to the world. Be holy. Do not forget what Jesus Christ did for you. Be loving. Number three, don't ever neglect the Word of God. All right? This is where this gets really, really practical. He says in verse 23, For you have been born again. Everybody say born again. All right? So now if you're, if you're not born again... You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't even understand this. But if you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. For all men are like grass. And all of their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you, therefore. There's another one of these therefores. Since the word is eternal, you've got to do some things. Rid yourselves of all malice. Get rid of the malice and the deceit and the hypocrisy and the envy and the slander of every kind. And then he says in verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation and that you have tasted that the Lord is good. What he's saying here is be hungry for the Word of God. Be hungry for the Scriptures in the midst of being vilified and stereotyped. What you need to do is cling to the Word of God. There was a preacher that was asked to go speak. There was a third grade Sunday school class, and the teacher said to the preacher, would you come teach the third graders? He said, yeah, I'll come in there. So he goes into the third grade Sunday school class, and he, he asks the question. He begins the lesson like this. Who broke down the walls of Jericho? And one little boy raised his hand, and he goes, well, I didn't do it. <laughs> and the preacher looked over the teacher and said, is this typical? And the teacher said, well... I know the boy and his family, and if he says he didn't do it, I think, I think you can trust him. <laughs> and the point of that story is that we are biblically ignorant people. I'm in my office. Just about every time I'm working on a Bible story, I ask myself, I wonder how many people in my church ever even read this story. 
We are the one group of people in America that should know this book inside and out. Many of us don't even bring a Bible with us. We come to church to study the Bible, to hear from God. Do we know these stories? Have you been studying this week? Because there's something about our culture, I want you to write this down, this is very important. Not only are Christians being marginalized in the United States of America, but the Bible is being marginalized in this country. And we're just going right along with them. Because, stay with me, there's things in the Bible that we don't want to do. We'd rather do something else. And so we go, ha, that book, ha, 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 that book has that things outdated. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You see, we're marginalizing the Word of God. It no longer matters to us. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that this is the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts out the things that need to be cut out in our lives. The Bible says in Psalm 119, it's a lamp, it's a light. It will show you how to walk. Luke eleven twenty eight says that it's a gold mine of blessings. Jeremiah 23, it's a fire that purifies. In Matthew 4, 4, it's food. It's food that sustains us. James chapter 1, it says it's a mirror that reflects what's going on in your soul. 1 Peter 2, 23, it's a seed that is planted that takes root. Jeremiah 23, verse 29, it's a hammer that can break down the walls of injustice, is what it says. It's a, it's a camera that gives us a photograph of God. Psalm 119, it's a guidebook. As you read it, it will teach you how to live your life. Psalm 19.10, the Bible says, it's sweeter than honey, and I don't know anything sweeter than honey. Psalm 119, verse 9, it's an accountability partner. It is a lighthouse that will help you get through the storm. And the point is, I don't, I don't know how, you're going to, I don't know how you're going to get through life as a Christian here on this earth. How are you going to be holy? How are you going to make it going against the flow of the culture and swim upstream and to be faithful and to endure? How are you going to keep your eyes on the Lord if you're not hungry for the things of God? Get in this book. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. 
Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley